Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We put out daily videos of comic book content, and we have more than a thousand videos live on the channel right now. Uh, chances are we might have talked about your favorite comics. So if you hit the little magnifying glass on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, search for your favorite comics, you can maybe find a video of us talking about that comic. Uh, if you don't, though, please put something in the comments. Uh, we will bump... We will pump... We will bump the best comics up on our uh, reading list for future episodes of Cartoonist Kayfabe. We have a Patreon where the biggest supporters of the Patreon have access to an exclusive live stream recording session whenever we get together, produce a week's worth of videos. They get all the videos before anybody else. That mitigates the Kayfabe effect, which happens when we talk about a comic. It uh, often sells out on online and in comic shops uh, after we cover it. So you get first dibs on the things that we talk about. And Jimmy and I are going to be at Baltimore Comic Con this year. We hope to see you there and uh, wear your cartoonist kayfabe shirts. Without further ado, Jimmy, let's continue our coverage of Frank Miller's Ronin. We are on chapter three. And uh, look at this exquisite cover uh, by Frank Miller and Lynn Varley. It doesn't look far different than some of those uh, Electra Assassin covers or, or that uh, Electra Saga covers the reprints of the uh frank miller daredevils that came out around pro around this time that was one of my early miller like i probably had electro saga before i had the daredevil issues yeah it's the cheaper and, uh, cheapest way to get your hands it on was that stuff. and they were awesome uh, yeah they did look super cool too and that was what would speak to me in the early days because i didn't know anything it yeah. was just like what looks good those covers look sharp just like this and it makes you think those things capitalizing on Ronin's a thousand percent thousand percent it's the same format in terms of page count and stuff because you know it would collect two three issues and 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 kind of be sturdy and thick and I think it's swear to god it was formatted really closely I think it was I think maybe even that square like almost the design even being the same is is wild to think about let's jump right into things and one of the things that was noteworthy with this issue compared to the previous is that uh Miller's attention to, to the line is different. It used to be, in the first two issues, it was like when we're in the gritty uh, urban landscape, we're going Goseki Kojima, Lone Wolf and Cub type line work. And when we're inside the, what what do they call that thing? The, the Aquarius? Yeah, when we're inside Aquari Aquarius, we're going full uh, Mobius uh, energy. Or more accurately, probably heavy metal energy. And... Uh, that that is that kind of goes away this issue and frank miller is getting more and more experimental with the drawings as evidence right here where we are seeing basically duo shade i think pretty much shot because you get a little bit paper. of the browns from yeah. the paper and that's what you're seeing is like this video footage of uh you know what happened with the ronin and and you know whenever the first security team was trying to pick him up it's implied in the previous issue and here we're getting more of like what actually went wrong there um, pretty neat to see this though, and it feels like a bold idea on the part of Miller or Varley or both or DC or somebody that was like, hey, let's try this because it's pretty neat. Miller did a lot of duo shade, and we see it in the Frank Miller Artist Edition. Um, it's weird the way it would kind of brown and color and sure. look, and I think that he was just like, yeah, let's put it on the page. I love that idea. Yeah, totally. Uh, definitely very aware of his spreads. So he's he's building this comic by the spreads, the, the left hand and right hand pages 
facing one another. I guess we still got a, a little bit of glimpse of the Kojima kind, kind of line work here. You do. The very first page, it wasn't as apparent, and it felt like almost we're blending things together. And it's going to go away com completely, this issue. Uh, in fact, one of the things that was very, very interesting to me going through this issue, Jimmy, is that uh, now when, when you're putting your work together and you're inking, I don't know about you, but but I don't think in terms of line as much as like what it is I'm drawing. I am drawing a wooden fence, so I need these lines to communicate wood. I am drawing hair, so I need these lines to communicate hair. I think Frank Miller is completely conscious of line the entire time, which is a completely different thought process than than I or many cartoonists have. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Three different levels will give you access to our videos early, and at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of our videos first to offset the Kayfabe effect, and you sit in on the recording session, which really gives you a leg up. We are also working cartoonists. The best way to support cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy our comics, and coming out in time for Christmas, Hip Hop Family Tree from Ed Piscor. 500 plus pages collecting all of the Hip Hop Family Tree in one handsome volume, along with 140 pages of extra back material, notes, art that hasn't been reprinted before, new art created just for this volume. Red Room, Crypto Killers, is the latest series in the Red Room uh, universe. There are two volumes in trade paperback, and this third volume is being published right now. Issue three recently published features Latchkey Kids, now known as Switchblade Shorties, which is Ed's ongoing daily comic strip. This is the first appearance, so you may want to add this one to your collection as a, uh, a key back issue. X-Men Grand Design is going to be collecting all three volumes into one edition, also in time for the holidays this year, uh, the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy. You can pre-order that one now. My latest comics... True Crime Funnies, self-published, featuring three non-fiction stories, including two wrestling stories, available on my website or my Patreon. Young adult graphic novel, The Plain Janes. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, featuring the homeless ninja on a skateboard, collecting eight complete stories. This is my action superhero series. And a new volume of Street Angel will be due out later this year in November, also from Image Comics. Get Princess of Poverty and Deadliest Girl Alive to have all of the Street Angel comics and Hulk Grand Design my contribution to the Grand Design Mythos celebrating 60 years of The Incredible Hulk. And now back to the video. I would bet that's true. I think he was working with Dick Giordano, who, you know, a classic, one of the all-time great inkers. And uh, we did an interview with Miller as he's working on Ronin, and he's talking about learning to ink. So, you know, I think that was something he was very conscious of, and you see it uh, throughout here. And, you know, like, look at the lines on some of the duo shade pages, these, like, video monitors. Again, it's a different line than what you're seeing in, like, the present. Totally. It's funny to think of how much experimentation is going into his biggest project of his career up to this point. <laughs> like, yeah, let's try this. Let's experiment with line. Let's experiment with duo shade color. And, and it's totally what this is. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a chaotic work. And I think it's a necessary work for Frank Miller to have uh, played around with this kind of stuff because you do, do see woodshedding occurring that shows up in Sin City in this very issue even. Yeah, it's, a, it's disappointing in a way that this is not a direction that Marvel and DC go of like fostering creative experimentation. Right. This made me want to bust out the uh, the artist edition again because this looks to me, you see the the uh, the big dots and stuff yes. that he, he did this piece small and it got blown up for, for the spread. 
Because those are very thick lines. I would be curious even to just pull out all of these two-page spreads next to each other and see, like, is he duplicating some of them? Yeah. Because it's such a repeated image, and I don't know... We talked about it in the previous videos. I don't know what information we're gleaning from this, and it's a lot of real estate, man. You know, like... There's probably... There's probably a single issue is worth of comics of these two-page spreads throughout the series. It really looks like Aquarius is becoming uh, just like a cancer. I wonder if that's what you're supposed to take. And if you looked at all the spreads, if that's what you're seeing, is it like spreads into streets and right. it's almost swallowing up buildings. Which would make sense because one of the interesting concepts so far in this reread to me is that this computer's alive. It's yeah. biotech and it is growing. It repairs itself. There's a sequence in here it might be coming up soon where they talk about it is like putting roots into the ground to pull literal minerals out of the earth in order to facilitate its rebirth. Yeah, set, or, set, or re, rebuild. Said it before and we'll say it again, uh, but this is a bleeding edge comic. So it's got to create the rules. And, and, and when we came into comics, there was already a kind of a language established. And uh, you certainly see it in places like uh, like Watchmen, right? Where like, where like Doc Manhattan has his own captions and Rorschach yes. has his own captions so the bubbles that don't have tails is the computer talking to Casey in this case but we could have done well to have just even you know 25% cyan uh, on those bubbles to kind of separate the two it, it, it would add some visual variety and it would be a hundred percent abundantly clear that it's the computer talking I would have liked balloon shape attention to balloon sure. shape. You mentioned it in the past video of like maybe they're rectangles for the computer. Yeah. I could even see different shapes between the Ronin and like the humans here. There's a lot of things that could have been done there. Um, but you know what? You, you talked about the ink line being different. There is a super fine line that he's employing in this issue that I don't remember. At least it wasn't used as much in the first two issues. Yeah, no. And I love it. There, are, I'll point it out whenever I see it where I'm really excited by it. But it does feel like, again, a guy who's learning to ink in his own words and maybe responding to certain parts of it, maybe even the sensual part of it, because that fine line is is, is a feeling, you right. know, like you're putting very little pressure on the paper and it comes across. It feels like a different drawing style almost. And this is where I divorced myself from saying that it's his Mobius style, because you see this kind of style in heavy metal and it'll be guys like Kaza and, and some, some, some other Europeans of, of that fashion. Uh, so, so uh, this is, heavy metal style reading wise i the, the parts that i don't like about this issue because i'm kind of still iffy i'm not sure how on board i am with all this there's a lot of racism and i i get it there are like the, the races are who run neighborhoods in new york so right. it makes sense that you would have racism between these groups it's over but the it's top very very ugly yeah you know like it's a very dark world and uh it comes across you know clearly like in this case we have a uh, a black man and a white man tied to this post in a hole we're going to see more of that hole as this story unfolds but there's some kind of underground creatures you know chuds right cannibalistic humanoid <laughs> underground dwellers coming up and feeding on people and the above ground people that are sacrificing them kind of acknowledge like if we just keep feeding them they don't totally come up above ground i don't remember that subplot from previous readings so i'm curious to see like how this unfolds and it's going to accelerate by the end of this issue but a, another one of those like wild ideas What's funny is that's in Daredevil also. Whenever uh you know how there are like there are documentaries on the on the subterranean dwellings of people in Vegas and, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and stuff like that. See the documentary uh, Dark Days. Yeah, I that believe. was a famous one, right. 
I wonder if that's something that was commonly known. Like if you lived in New York, like you were aware that people are living underground and it was an idea that captivated Miller maybe. Cause it is funny to see that in Daredevil and then to see it again in Ronan. Right. At a time whenever I don't know that we see too much of it. Uh, one of the things that I feel like I identified look here, check out. This is like what the uh, computer is creating, like these blossoms and stuff. One I kind of love that concept. Yeah, it's gorgeous, but but it's very heavy metal, right? Like like that thin line, that the pastel colors. That's another one, you know, man. I saw so many comments about try to get Lynn Varley for an interview. I would love to talk about to Lynn Varley about this stuff because she does. You compare this color and then Dark Knight color. She was bringing so much to the table with color, and I wonder how much of it was directed by Frank Miller. Yeah. How much of it was her contribution? What she's thinking with this? But color is becoming bigger and bigger in this book to me. This is uh, still written in Jim Shooter style, so you have at least up to these three issues. Every chapter has an explanation of what a Ronin is. Uh, <laughs> it's you know it's he's frank still has that stink of every every issue somebody's first issue and it's written that way in that serialized way uh also this is an example of a comic that is very much plot driven uh so we're not really building the d deepest character the ronin is we're standoffish to the ronin you know he's almost like a phantom of this comic in a way and we're not getting deep with these other characters either we're kind of watching a lot of stuff happen, but there's no real investment as a reader in any of these characters. Do, do, you, do you agree with that? I do agree. And earlier you mentioned something, not this video, but uh, previous conversations about, as a writer, intention and obstacles. Yeah. And I wonder it, uh, what the intention of any of these characters are, like up to this point. And I get it as the story's unfolding, we're seeing some intention, self-preservation, maybe on the part of a, a Ronin who's been transported through time. But it, it isn't necessarily clear that that was something Miller starts with in this. And I think that that illustrates some of the characterization because action and what your goals are, what you want, that helps define a character. And we don't really have that spelled out in a way that like that was priority one or two. Yeah, like we if we have three main characters here, we have uh, the, the Elon Musk of the of the company. And it's worth noting in this issue that's. He was possessed by the demon right. in the last issue. So we don't see the demon in the demon demonic form, but we do see it in the form of this Elon Musk leader character, who up to this point, Aquarius was supposed to be no military, no weapon. He suddenly changed face now that it's the demon possessing him. You can guess that he's in favor of let's weaponize this thing and go global. Yeah, and, and it's all about monetization. It's like, uh, oh yeah, we, we're not going to invest in, in weapons unless... Uh, Unless the, that would take quite a bit of money to overcome these feelings. So uh, it's largesse, you know, like, give me some money. We'll, we'll go into that. So, so that's his trajectory is he's getting deeper with weaponizing uh, this Aquarius project. And it's, it's with foreign governments and things too, mm -hmm. man. So he's supplying the world. Uh, that Casey chick is just kind of getting deeper into the conspiracy a little bit. And, uh, the Ronin tames a horse. So like, like that's that's what happens this issue, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange issue. Because so little happens in so many pages. A lot of setup. And I get the impression like these this book's kind of running on on almost out of Frank Miller's control. Like I right. don't know if this was tightly plotted from issue one to six. Right. So at this point we're kind of in the forest looking for paths and and it's it's finding our way as we go. And it's that thing, you know, like like when 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 I made the the X Men deal, um, it was for 
a certain amount of pages. All right, dude, here's the deal. You know, you get 250 pages, 260 pages, whatever it was, uh, have at it. So Frank got his page count ahead of time. You know, this is not the way a book should be built. Uh, and why would Frank, who might have 50 pages of story in total, why would he not kind of milk it? And, well, if you got 300 pages for me, I'm going to use those 300 pages. Uh, but that is what it reads like. Yeah, there he goes to a, a black bar and starts a fight with that group. Uh, basically, he's going to be working for both of these warring groups. Yeah, and, and, and this is his effort to endear himself to the Nazis. Yes. So he's going into the black bar calling out racist stuff. Uh, ends up getting into a scuffle, and it was all done by design so that like the neo-Nazis see him. What do we say, Jimmy? What is one of the tenets of the cartoonist kayfabe uh, rules of uh, superhero cartooning? Don't show crying. <laughs> <laughs> Never quite works as intended, right? <laughs> Look at yeah, these lines, strange, dude. But, you know, like, like him crying is the characterization because Ronan barely speaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, says almost nothing, maybe two, three words. And then you see him crying, and I think that's an attempt at something that doesn't quite land. No. Like if that's what you're building this character off of, we've got a pretty flat character. Like, I don't give a shit about this character. Right. I don't care if he lives or dies. I don't care if he goes bad. Like, whatever. I'm just not invested in him. Yeah. Give me a reason to cheer for him. I don't even know what he's doing. <laughs> right. Uh, dude, how about this line work? Far different from everything else we've seen on, uh, you know, to date in this comic. I think this might be where Rob Liefeld gets those Venetian blind eyes that he had during his New Mutant days. Looks like it. Carlos Escarza comes to mind uh, with these kind of square kind of hatches that are like these like, they're not even straight hatches. They're kind of like hair follicle type type moves. I kind of love this. You know, like the experimental part of the artwork for me is the big standout of this book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fun to turn a page and see something that looks like this. And it's also very thin lines that like makes me also want to bust out that artist edition again because I feel like the fidelity is probably much stronger because you could see the break from, from the print job here a lot. You know, like you're getting more information in those originals than, than what saw print. It would be a, a good comparison on a page like this. Even just from the instructive part of what were they capable of printing and reproducing back then, because this is cutting cutting edge production. Right. Lynn Varley, I feel like, is coming into her own as this series progresses, which is pretty exciting to see again on the visual side. Yeah. Yeah, we started really starting to show up uh, in issue two, and I think the print job for that uh, in the issue was was pretty bad. Uh, which got corrected in the trade paperbacks. But uh, here are your chuds coming up, man. About to to eat their sacrifices. Man, I forgot about that Daredevil stuff. And there's almost, like, this is so reminiscent of a panel with uh, with Kingpin's wife. Yeah. That's that subplot. This is really cool, man, using those ha hatch lines for, for speed. This could be, you know, some of that manga stuff cre creeping in. But very specifically... Miller is not a weeb, you know, like he he's not digging into all kinds of manga. It's very specifically the Lone Wolf and Cub stuff. Yeah, it's probably a lot of what was available in the early 80s. Yeah, sure. But but like the places where you would get that stuff, 
there was more available because he he was getting it in Japanese like he didn't have it in English like in that in that rogue uh, that that Ronin interview thing that we unpacked he 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 said that he loved the clarity of the storytelling because you couldn't read the words. I think where he was getting it, and I can't cite this source off the top of my head, but it was like Continuity Studios had a stack of them that he walked out with, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, for sure. So he may have been limited in what he what he could get his hand what what he got his hands on. Right, but this would be the same time when Scott McCloud is going to the Kinokuniya bookstore in. He needed to follow Manhattan. Scott McCloud around. And he could have shown him there. some stuff. It was there, man. It was there, and it would. It was Larry Hama that brought those things to the studio. He he name checks the the uh, yeah the bookstore. I was looking at these marks too, and this would be another one. Go back to the artist edition because like he's just trying stuff. Like there's this fine line, and then these really heavy marks. And I was looking at that and going, is that a pen nib that he's pushing to almost the breaking point to get those thick dashes? Totally. I don't know. And he'll do this stuff too. Like where's that fuck scene, man? Where like he has his screen door texture, mm -hmm. and then he like lightens it up and darkens it and just puts the hatches closer but check this one out he's just doing like close together lines and then tapering them off kind of like underground comics like a victor moscoso or somebody and every page he's doing a little something different yeah i, I i'd be curious what editors how the editors responding to this stuff coming in because it's got to be make you nervous when every page has some pretty experimental visuals from right. the previous pages yeah and and i i wouldn't doubt that it was a disappointment you know, like you, like you commission this guy, and and uh, you know him from a certain thing. I could see them feeling scammed. To be honest, man. It depends, I think, on the expectations. Right. You know, if they were looking for something new, he's certainly delivering that. Almost like Dune or something. Back in uh, Mobius mode to a certain extent, but then you have these. These lines, which is the interlace from the screen. This but, is a great sequence story-wise because this is the inventor, right? This is the right. guy that came up with this this software, living computer stuff, bio circuitry, and now that it's going to be weaponized, he hates. He, he's not into this, and it's like, what's the contract say? And right. the contract pretty much says you're, you you can't do shit, and he acknowledges that and says, you know, I could quit. That's about it. Man, it feels like you're you're talking about an industry that does not value talent in the Marvel DC world at this time. I think it's autobio piece. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And if it isn't, it could be because sure. it still applies. Like, I don't know how much you've gotten into stuff, but just even in house repair stuff, like you get to a point sometimes when things aren't going right. And it's like, look at the contract. I think I'm right. But do you want to go to court over it? Right. You know, like who wins that? Yeah, totally, man. And it could be as simple as like uh, some stuff that he dealt with with like the electric character electric character it could be stuff with uh you're deep enough in ronin that you know that you're never you know it's the same deal that that alan moore got you're never getting that copyright back Dude, to... it could be whenever you're picking up those lone wolf and cubs at continuity studios and neil neil adams is just telling you stories about yeah. you know artist rights and things it, it can't be a secret you know like he's working in studios with other cartoonists like this had to be a topic of conversation amongst the uh, upper echelon and amongst the people that were looking forward to like what can this industry and this medium be right there was there was legal stuff that had to be sorted out if you were ever going to be able to make comics the way people were doing the stories people were telling in other art forms there had to be some legal evolution in comics to really allow that it's really fascinating, and, th and this this is Lynn Varley coming into her own. Yes. Because, like, she's doing everything she can to give, like, a clear wash 
which is like hard to do but then you don't have to do that and she never will do that in her future works you know there'll always be some some noise some stuff happening but like even that horse you know that it's a little uneven and stuff I wonder when she gets issue one back yeah. and that she can start to apply lessons of seeing this stuff in print and what works and doesn't. Because at some point, it's got to come up. Like, I'm guessing around this issue. Right. She, know, she, like, she, like, she results. Yeah. Maybe issue four, something like that. She's got to have issue one back or at least have seen proofs for issue one. And I'm just very curious. Like, you know, it feels to me like she's evolved a lot from issue one to this point. Yeah. Definitely playing with more adventurous colors, but still keeping that 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 wash, you know? Man, it looks like marker. Some of it, doesn't it? Yeah, that? there's something going on there. I wonder about all that, what kind of media she's using. These parts that are would have been flat color, maybe, in other other circumstances. You're starting to see less attention to, like, trying to make that flat. Like, what's? it's fine if there's some variation there. That'll print okay. It's funny to see the horse and think about Dark Knight Returns. Totally. There, There's a, a Frank Miller group on uh on fa on facebook i just just uh joined it and some guy got a hold of a 1972 fanzine that frank miller published with like another dude or, or two and he's drawn comics with with horses in 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 them that early which to me is like extremely freaking ambitious i wonder if that goes back to when westerns were huge because westerns as a genre go up until what mid mid 70s certainly early 70s are probably still you know if you're coming up in the 60s you're seeing western as a legit thing yeah yeah, but it is like the, this is like the, um, <clears throat> what, uh, who was it, man? Uh, I think Gil Kane making fun of guys like Frazetta and stuff for, for uh, drawing carousel horses. Let's <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly. just run the poll through this one. <laughs> and now we have our security team is, is what we're fighting between the horses and the security guys. I love some of these, these visuals, you know, like, look at this as a spread. It's awesome looking. Not the most exciting story, but awesome looking for just like comics that don't look like any other comics. And especially at that time, this would have been like a different art form totally. if you pulled this off the rack on New Comic Book Day. Yeah, it almost looks like CF, Power Masters comics or something, uh, introducing even newer lines than we've seen. You know, we're at page 40 of this issue and we're getting different marks than than we've we've seen previously do you Looks, think those are intentional in that he is being shocked right these are all tasers that are hitting him right. so do you think that's an intention of like how do we show like electricity like he's being shocked yeah maybe maybe i i think that some of it carries on but but we'll we'll, we'll take a look and it looks like it might be that damn those lettering nibs you know it's got that blunt edge and then you just kind of if you go to the edge because it's blunt but it's flat here so like you go to the blunt part and then bring it up to the flat Whenever I was asking about like these marks, it crossed my mind that he was doing like a lettering nib with those because they're these heavy almost yeah. dashes on some of them and the other ones look like your Hunt 102 or even possibly a tech pen. Yeah, I don't think any tool is off limit. If, if he's thinking of it or has access to it, I feel like we're gonna see the mark on one of these pages. We're now we're in Sin City. Yeah. We're there, dude. hundred percent. He, he made it. It's even black and white. Exactly. Like, like, even then Varley backs off and it's like, all right, Take a look at what you want to do in the early 90s here. Like, look at that, dude. That's a Sin City drawing. It is, 100%. In 1983. Yep. What's our indicia say, man? November 1983. He made it. Now the uh, the, the tears are starting to be blood tears. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the mask, dude. And then we go to uh, Clearline as, as he kind of slowly comes to. 
and the haze of Lynn Varley's color like really helps sell that also with those like with those uh, brushed out edges. And here's our uh, Nazi and our African American have found a common enemy. Yes. So now these two gangs are disposing of our Ronin as well as the Aquarius security team. Yep. And uh, what do you do with that? We'll throw her down in that pit. Right. Is, is the first first uh, order of business, and that leaves our Ronin to like clean up the mess a little bit, and then is attached to Casey, which probably goes back to Ronan being Billy, who was originally in Aquarius and apparently had a crush on Casey. Right. It's almost starting to over uh, overcome the Ronan influence. Look at the interesting texture in that first panel by whatever color media Lynn Varley is employing there. It's almost like that page is drawn on a different textured paper because it doesn't carry over. Yeah, it's strange, although you see some of it like in the backgrounds here. So it could be, again, just something she's experimenting with. Maybe seeing a little bit of those results from issue one and saying, like, I think this will work. Yeah, but it's just these, the lines of the paper. It's a different, very curious. Anyhow, is this our, bi our guys jumping down the hole? Yeah, very, uh, very cool image. One that I remember seeing in some promo stuff. Possibly even... No, I was thinking it might have been a cover image or something like a back cover image, but not on this edition of the trade. There it is, man. Chapter three of of Ronin, and I think I think we identified some things that, as a reading experience, uh, doesn't land uh, so much, man. The intense, the intensely plot driven aspect of it, I think, is a barrier to to most people because. It's good to, to have a character to kind of lean on when you're going through a narrative. Uh, it's more fun to draw plot-driven shit because it's a lot of fights and you're introducing a lot of cool stuff. Miller is doing so much in this series, attempting so much in this series, and both writing and art, right? Like, he's essentially doing a graphic novel here, which is not the standard Marvel DC stuff. It's not what he did in Daredevil. Yeah. So that's new. It's all original characters, so that's new. Um as ambitious as the artwork is, I think the writing is also that that ambitious. You can see the the artwork, you know, like that's exciting. With the writing, I feel like there's a lot that he's learning on this that may not be paying off in Ronin, at least not so far. And that's harder to kind of like gauge. Yeah. You know, the, the artwork, if you changed out the English language, if you just erased the word balloons, I'd still be excited by looking at this art. Yeah. But story-wise, I think it's like a guy really swinging for the fences. And we know he's going to be hitting home runs for the next decade. But I think he's learning a lot probably in this. Well said, man. Good to go? Yes. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Cartoonist Kayfabe is a daily YouTube channel. And this is uh, the third chapter in Ronin. We have two other Ronin videos uh, out there. Just take a look at the Frank Miller playlist that we have. Uh, but also, there's a search feature on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Search for your favorite comics. We might have done an episode on one. And if we didn't, uh, then put something in the comments. Let us know what comics we should be covering in the future. There's a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. And the King Kayfabers on our Patreon. They get access to all the videos before anybody else. This uh, comes in handy when we talk about something that you want to get. And you want the cheapest copies. The King Kayfabers get first dibs on it all. Uh, we're going to be at the Baltimore Comic Con in uh, mid-September, 8th, 9th, 10th. Is that the date, yes. Jimmy? I'll, I'll figure it out at some point. <laughs> uh, look forward to seeing you guys there. But ultimately, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Jimmy, let the people know what you have.
coming out this November will be Street Angel, Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. You can start to pre-order that one now, and that collects all of the comics that are not in Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, also from Image Comics. Put the two together, you'll have a complete set of all of the Street Angel comics that I've made up to this point. I self-published True Crime Funnies, featuring three non-fiction stories, including two wrestling yarns. Uh, that is available as a PDF on my website or on patreon.com slash jimrug, and I am reprinting that now. So if you missed out on the uh, print edition, it will be out again soon, hopefully in time for Baltimore. Plain Jane's The First Young Adult Graphic Novel, and Hulk Grand Design, which I'm showing books that are available right now. As far as I know, Hulk Grand Design is out of print or unavailable at the distributor level. I still see them in comic shops. I think they're still available on Amazon. If you haven't bought Hulk Grand Design yet, what I'm telling you is pick it up sooner rather than later because if it is out of print, uh, no guarantee it'll even be reprinted, let alone when that might happen. So pick that one up. It's a book I'm very proud of. You can see it in the picture, that fluorescent green. It's a pretty unique book on your shelf. So grab that if you haven't already and uh, help out your local comic shop if they have one sitting on their shelf. Take that home with you. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you in time for the holidays. Uh, it's scheduled to come out mid-October. Uh, it collects the four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree that are out there in the wild today, but there's 140 pages of additionals that we're putting in here because it is the 10th anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. It's the, it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop culture, so we had to, we had to do something special uh, where this comic is concerned. Not the only holiday comic coming out this year. X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback is going to be coming to you in stores in November. It's collecting all of my X-Men Grand Design works, and there is a volume or two of that uh, completely out of print as we speak. Two trade paperbacks of Red Room are uh, out there, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. And uh, right now, we're putting out the last uh, season of Red Room Comics, Crypto Killers. Uh, it's going to be a four-issue series in total. There are, uh, these stories are all completely self-contained, but this third issue has uh, a prototypical version of my daily strip that I'm going to be putting out in 2024. I call it Switchblade Shorties, but at the time I made this comic, I called it Latchkey Kids, and uh, it's going to be a hot key when the time comes uh, and I start to put out my daily comic strip, man. So make sure you get issue three of Crypto Killers at the very least. Jimmy, tell the people what else we have going on. You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, fanny packs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All good ways to support the channel. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.